a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. It's a safe bet that any writer or director who borrows song titles to name his own films is something of an audiophile. Richard Linklater is unquestionably one of those. From Dazed and Confused to Boyhood and the so-called Before Trilogy, the amiable Texan has forged a career making movies with a very specific sense of time and place, accompanied by soundtracks that appropriately underscore the mood he's attempting to create. The film continues this trend, set in a fictional US college in 1980. Everybody Wants Some offers a stonking array of contemporary tunes from Donna Summer and Jermaine Jackson to Blondie and the Sugar Hill Gang. As with so much of his back catalogue, it's also very funny and beautifully observed. Look at what we have here. Hey, ladies. Party later tonight at the baseball houses. You should be investing this energy elsewhere. Lesbians. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, a podcast released every Friday in which directors, actors, composers discuss what music means to them and how they use it in their work. It won't surprise you to learn that Richard has plenty to say on this matter. By his own admission, he prefers source cues to score, though he's not adverse to orchestration when the situation demands, as it did, for instance, in A Scanner Darkly. But rock and roll is where Richard's heart lies, and has done since his formative years of cinema going. Richard Lindley, I, I don't know where to start with music in terms of your films because there's a wonderful variety of music that you used in your films. But I guess start by asking, what are the moments in film and music that are reminiscent for you in terms of, of you kind of realising how powerful music can be within a film, whether that be using a piece of popular music or whether that be an original piece of score? Film are there certain saw, films? Yeah, like there's certain yeah, films that you remember so seeing many. growing up. Well, I think the first, to me, I didn't see it till years later, but Scorpio Rising, the American Kenneth Angers film from 63, used all all the pop songs of that moment in such an interesting way. Who's rushing where wise men never go But wise men never fall in love So how are they to know
some of those 60s and 70s films where the music works so well. I'm thinking of using existing songs. That's its own genre that came into its own somewhere along the way, the 60s and 70s. I think you see it in like Easy Rider. You know I smoked a lot of grass Oh Lord I popped a lot of pills One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. But it's that right, so join me home. streets those are some early films that really capture the possibilities of what you can do with existing music as opposed to a score trust that more than a score. When I was working on Boyhood, at first I thought it would be a score, but I realized the score didn't work for that movie. It was too much of an authorial presence. A score is telling you what to feel. It's leading you there emotionally or, or whatever, which I think is a huge manipulation. I'm not saying it doesn't work and it's not appropriate, but for a lot of what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to recreate an atmosphere. And our lives don't really have a score. Source music is most of our lives, so I've always leaned toward that. progression yeah the, it's just wonderful yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's something that I think is a recurring thing in your filmmaking is how you deal with time with everybody wants some it's those few days leading up to when they start college and you know obviously boyhood is 12 years across that lifetime and that's very much reflected in the music that you use yeah the difference there being boyhood I wasn't a young person in 2003 4 or 5 I kind of had to do research yeah and think like oh, what were the pop songs of the okay I like that one 
you know, as he got older and his taste changed, those were more like songs that I actually liked and listened to. Do you But something like Everybody Wants Some, every song in the movie is a song that I have a very personal relationship with. I can tell you everything about the band and where that song would be playing. Tell me specifically about a couple then of the tracks and Everybody Wants oh, Some. Oh, you can throw out any track in the movie and I can tell you my relation with it. Even the, the punk side of things yeah, as well, when, when it kind of goes into those different musical genres. Yeah, you go into <laughs> the punk house and they're listening to Stiff Little Fingers, yeah, yeah. you know, there we go. just that. Back then someone turns you on, hey, have you heard of this band? <laughs> Stiff Little Fingers. And you're like, oh, okay, I love every song on there. Take a look where you live you got the army on the street, and all you say, I got a pleasure, it's barking at your feet. Is this the kind of place you want to live? Is this where you want to be? Is this the only life we're gonna have? What we need? The great thing about going off to college, you, you suddenly have all these roommates and best friends, and they all have their own taste. You know, like, yeah. oh, you look through their record collection and you trade albums. It's a lot of cross-pollination that's going on that's very important culturally. You know, it's musically, it's literary. It's kind of like, oh, what books are you reading? And it's a great time in your life that way if you're, if you're curious, you know, about yeah. the world. Jake unpack his, his <laughs> record player and his vinyl and you know his roommates that's one thing that they're very impressed by is his collection of music is that a reference to you being a great collector of music as you know at that time in your life I think there's two kinds of people one who bring their stereo music to college with them and one who leave it home Correct and stereo and all my music with me to college you know my entire net worth was in my music at that point I'm the kind of guy who had my music collection and my stereo equipment was worth a lot more than my car put it like that I would drive a junker car to have the right speakers yeah I had a ton of albums and at that point cassettes too yeah so uh yeah it was always always a big deal in my life you know?
musically, I love that the film just shows that vast expanse of music at the time. There's a lot of what we thought was really crappy disco music that we really looked down our noses on. I mean, there were artists in that, you know, Donna Summer. But then there was this filler disco stuff that you didn't have much respect for at all. It just seemed kind of crass at the time. It was very commercial and studio driven. It wasn't like artists at work. It was like the version of non-music. Yet, you know, all these years later, I, I find myself listening, and it's as its own art form. It ages very well. There's yeah. a song when they first walk into the disco, the sound machine in the movie, where there's a song from the SOS band called Take Your Time, Do It Right. And it's kind of a beautiful little song. If you really break down the simple little lyrics, it's about embracing life and that there's not enough time and you have to grasp your moment in this world. It's, it's a simple little rhyme, but it's done kind of beautifully. And the music's solid, you know? It's, yeah. it's the beats in there. So I think that stuff has aged pretty well. Even though at the time as a young person, a kind of a, a rock and roller, new wave, punk kind of person, you couldn't embrace it at the time. But I think music ages interestingly. But that that's one disco song. You know, the Van Halen song, the namesake of the movie, you know, Van Halen was like, to me, the changing of the guard of, of rock bands. They were younger, like a new, young, heavy metal band, but they were uh, funny and they were showmen. And Eddie Van Halen sort of reinvented the guitar at that time. It felt like it was the first time I felt like it was our music. You know, yeah. it wasn't like these old rock star Old bands rockers, yeah. that felt like they'd been around forever this was sort of like you know it was colorful it was fun and yeah. yeah yeah those first three van halen albums especially i thought were i mean they just got bigger and bigger but yeah. i i always had a fondness for them and, and the humor was was different too they had a certain irony yeah and it was appropriate for my generation they just you couldn't take yourself so seriously yeah. kind of like spinal tap yeah it's very but, close what they're, isn't it what they're commenting on is 
is kind of what the new bands had to deal with. So I have a, a love for, for Van Halen in that way. You can't hear a minute on a subway Scanner kind of Darkly oh, in yeah. terms of like Radiohead and Graham Reynolds. Yeah, Graham, a composer I've worked with yeah. a number of times, yeah. he does a uh, very dark, jazzy score. about the score to Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> Believe it or not, Oliver Nelson's Last Tango in Paris, yeah. a lot of his music and that. I don't know, I was inspired by something. It just seemed kind of heady and complex and odd. So that was right. film Waking Life, I just had all tango music from one group, Glover Gill's band Tosca. Whatever vibe of yeah. the movie, that one kind of floats in a dreamlike way. Scanner's truly a darker vision of a society. It's a yeah. tonal choice, so that's the fun part. It's, it's always fun collaborating with uh, musicians, composers, or just existing music.
Kubrick used a lot of existing music because he he didn't do a lot of scoring, a little bit. Yeah. But he was like, well, you have all the greatest music ever written. Yeah, it's there to be used. Yeah. And introduced to new generations as well. You know that kind of thing of like, sure, you if know, you put Strauss, and yeah, it, you know, you're gonna exactly throw that, throw that in there, or even in Shining, he used Christoph Penderecki used some of his music to great effect. So it's like, oh, there's all this great music out there. That's why I think all your musical knowledge always comes into play. You know, when I did a film, uh, me and Orson Welles, it's set in 1937, and I think maybe that's why I did it. I happen to have a real love of early big band 30s yeah. tunes, so I got to just pick all this great music that I love from that period. So it's it's always fun, you know, to get into a music wheelhouse that you love and are familiar with. with the before series of films you know in terms of revisiting things potentially or the final one obviously with the location is very influential in the yeah. music that you hear and those are all three very different musical approaches the first one doesn't have any score at all it has some source music when they go into a certain place and there's a scene at the end where they kind of see a guy who's playing a harpsichord in a room you know but it's kind of live i mean it has an opening credits and a closing credits music second film just has some of Julie's music over yeah. it, but it's kind of uh, has no score. The third one, Graham Reynolds, who did I work with on Scanner, he did a score that works for the kind of transitions and that one just felt like it had to be a score. So, you know, different different approaches, you know, same characters but very different stories, different points in their life, yeah. you know. composer what is that relationship and when do you bring them in I like to as early as possible yeah like even before you're filming just to get them thinking about what you're doing I work with Graham on another movie Bernie with Jack Black it's orientation the music is gospel music love 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 lifted me 
Graham had no orientation to that, so I brought him in early, and like any good composer kind of guy, he really dug into this music. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. But I just always start with storytelling. What's the right music for the story you're trying to tell? I've done movies with very little music in them. Others, there seems to be a soundtrack that is appropriate for the story, the atmosphere, what you want the audience to absorb from the story. And it often has a musical equivalent, whether it's a score or existing music. You know, I don't know. It, each movie's very different, but I always enjoy digging through the music and arriving at the proper music for the story I'm trying to tell. It's as important as how the movie should look, you know, oh, do I shoot in black and white? Is it in CinemaScope? You know, what the big directorial decisions and music's always a big one. And also how you introduce that music as well, like with Dazed and Confused, like it's kind of there and as soon as you start, it sets the tone for the film in a way, you kind of go, this is where I am. Yeah, yeah, here you are in, yeah. in the mid 70s and <laughs> yeah, had that idea for the Sweet Emotion, the Aerosmith song, because yeah. it has that interesting beginning is kind of It's ominous, just the voices, you know, isn't it, almost? Boom, 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 kind of a low bass line. Yeah. Everybody wants some just starts with a beat of my yeah. Sharona. It's just like you're just boom, you're so into it. Yeah, you are blindsided with that <laughs> slap. I 
uh, love the fact with the School of Rock that a new generation were introduced to the real talent behind Destiny's Child and the fact it was Stevie Nicks and yep. that wonderful Edge of Seventeen. What a track. Just like the like the opportunity to show someone who loves music within a movie and that whole movie is Jack Black is such a fan you yeah know, he just loves music three minus four is negative one that's right and six times a billion is six billion nailed it and 54 is a 45 more than what is the answer Marta Nine. No, it's eight. No, it's nine. Yes, I was testing you. It's nine. How did you come to that track? I think Joan liked that song because we were playing with another Fleetwood Mac song, Never Going Back Again, but that's yeah. actually not Stevie's, that's Christine McVie's. Christine, yeah. Yeah, but we, there were some other songs we were playing with. Yeah. I think Joan brought that one up. She broke down and let me in I imagine as well that through the years it's gotten easier for you as a director to get those tracks that you want. You know, uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah? It's always been a bit of a grab bag in this movie. Well, I had a couple things, and it's sad because he just passed away, but there was a Prince song that I wanted, I Want to Be Your Lover, which yeah. was his big hit of 
I read something where music and smells are the most nostalgic inducing. Well, think about it, you hear a song and you're back to a certain point in your life. Mm. It's a really powerful transporter of human memory and experience. Absolute pleasure chatting to oh, you. Oh yeah, great talking Thank to you. Thank you so much, Richard. Right. Thank you. Cheers. soundtrack to Everybody Wants Some, that's pop music by M, which seems a fitting way to round off our conversation with director Richard Linklater. My thanks to Richard for taking the time to talk to us and sharing his musical tastes. Everybody Wants Some is out on home entertainment formats now, with the soundtrack available via Warner Brothers. Now, obviously, not all the tracks we play during the interview are name-checked, but if you hear something you like and you want to know what it is, just head to edithbowman.com to find the link to our dedicated Spotify page where the music is listed in the order it appears. My website is also the place to subscribe to this podcast and catch up with all our previous episodes. Amongst those we've spoken to are John Favreau, Todd Solins, and Ben Wheatley. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We are at Soundtracking UK for the chance to win loads of film-related prizes. We've got a host of fantastic guests coming up in the coming weeks, including Andrea Arnold, Michael Winterbottom and Ron Howard. Next up, though, is Thea Sharrock, who is Britain's youngest ever artistic director at a theatre when she took over at the Southwark Playhouse in 2001, aged just 24. Now she's turned her hand to film with Me Before You and has plenty to say about the challenges posed by making that transition. I look forward to the pleasure of your company then. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.